Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We know you're busy. Bills to pay, mouths to feed, and the man needs another favor. So just in case you missed what happened on the fan today, we got your back. And even if you did hear it live, you probably need to hear it again. Here you go, all in one place and in just one hour. The best of the best from today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Instant Replay. Play, play. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Let's keep the Purdue-IU discussion going. Rafael Davis joining us, Big Ten analyst, obviously former Purdue player as well, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rafael, good morning. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on. How are you? Man, uh, man we're, we're great. Let's start with this right here. Uh, you heard the intro there with a, with a little usher. Give us something on the Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl? What did you think of it? What did you think of the halftime show? Uh, you're an American. You watched it. What did you think? I didn't watch too much of the game. I watched a little bit of it overtime. But, uh, yeah, I watched the halftime show. I thought uh, I thought it was really good. I was a um, big Usher fan growing up. I think the song with Alicia Keys is one of my favorite mm. songs I've uh, ever heard in my life. So I thought that was great. I thought Alicia Keys was great. I thought the uh, performance was amazing. Alicia Keys, very easy on the eyes and the ears with those vocals <laughs> as well. Rayfield Davis, former Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, you saw him in West Lafayette. You see him on the Big Ten Network. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Let's go back to Saturday night, Rayfell. Um, difference for you in that one, Indiana, you know, I guess hung around for four minutes and then pretty much the rest was kind of what we saw in Bloomington. Uh, what were your observations from Saturday night? Um. Well, one of my observations was that I think Paint wanted to beat those dudes by 30 if he had the chance. I think um, I think that was one of those games where I think Paint was making a making a um, making a statement. I thought he wanted to keep the guys sharp, keep them focused. I think that's why he played them the whole game pretty much. I think um, Brandon Smith was the best player on the floor at times. I think since that Nebraska loss, Brandon Smith has been great. I mean, he's upped his assists, he's lowered his turnovers, he's um, just really just controlling the game in a real way. So I think um, you have your point guard playing this way at this time of the year, it always bodes well for you. I mean, Zach was Zach. And then um, although it wasn't the greatest offensive game for Purdue outside of those two guys, they really um, looked like they dialed in on the scouting report. Their defense was um, was really good. I think they held – this off the top of my head, you can go check. But I think they held a little wear – and Malik renewed to, I think, 17 points on 8 to 18 from the field. Yep. And I think uh, when you do something like that, you're just locked in. And that's in, that's Indiana's attack. That's how they score the ball. Uh, Purdue was great on their double teams, their digging, their rotations, uh, knowing who to guard, who not to guard. So I think it was uh, one of those games where, it, and like Zach said after the game, they're not a finished product. But when they uh, when you start to grind out games on the defensive end, at this time of the year, that kind of helps for you. Because in March, everything slows down and it comes to a half-court game. Mostly. Rafael Davis joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. As a former player and now an uh, analyst, this is at least how I saw it, okay? 
I just thought Purdue was having fun, and I almost thought they were head-patting Indiana, that they were laughing at Indiana, that Edie hits the three. And you're right. They wanted to win that game by 30. If it weren't for C.J. Gunn making some late baskets, uh, Ray Fowl, who knows what that score could have been. Is that how you felt watching it, that Purdue was almost kind of laughing as they were dismissing Indiana for the second straight time this season? I won't say they were – I won't say they're laughing at them. I just think they were having fun with the game. I think uh, it was more about Purdue than it was about Indiana. I think um, Zach hitting that three had no had nothing to do with Indiana. It could have been anybody. And I think the guys are going to have a good time with it. The crowd was going to have a good time with it. I thought, well, uh, if it was up twenty or down by one, that was uh, it was a good shot he took. It wasn't that they were out there they were out there taking bad shots. But I do think they. Uh, they have the confidence that they're just the better team. And sometimes it can come off as that way when you are just the better team. And, and it's like the varsity playing at JV at times. So I think because um, Purdue didn't play well offensively outside of me, outside of that shot, outside of a few possessions. It was more of um, a toughness game because I've also sat in that game and I've lost that game by 30 as well in Mackey. So I think um, Paint expressed how important it is to win that game since we lost those games. I don't think um, my freshman year – we took it the game as serious as we should have. And I think the game since my freshman year, since 2013, I think it's uh, – you can go look at the record. I think it's uh, – guys understand what type, the magnitude of the game. They came out and they showed it. 15-4 and four, Purdue over Indiana since those games Rafael was talking about back in that 2013 season. Rafael Davis, of course, with us. See him on Big Ten Network. Uh, he's joining us on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Rafael, I, I want to go Big Ten as a whole. Um – Maybe biggest surprise in a positive direction and biggest surprise in a negative direction as we sit here with less than a month to go in the regular season. Uh, biggest surprise in a positive direction would be Rutgers. Uh, they're sitting at five and seven right now, and then when I look at the remainder of their season, I mean it's. Uh, I mean they have to play really well. I mean obviously their defense is going to be their defense, but their offense if they continue to be what it is, and Jeremiah Williams continues at this rate, one. He'll be an all-conference guy in 11 games, but then two, they can really go six and two over the next two over the next eight. If you look at who they play and where they play them and the style of play, I mean, they've already beaten a couple teams in there, and I mean, you maybe lose to Purdue, you maybe lose at Wisconsin, but there's a lot of winnable games in there if you take it game by game. And then Rutgers goes from bottom of the league to maybe top five in the league. So I think they're. Uh, Jeremiah Williams has been super surprising. I haven't seen a guy come to a team and them just halfway through the year, three quarters through the year, and them just give him the ball and say, "You go, you go score." I mean, he must have been just dominant in practice. He, um, you can tell how good he is. He makes everyone better on the floor. He changes those guys' roles and make them more comfortable. But then, in the negative surprise, I would say, um, in the negative surprise, I guess I say Maryland. Uh, Maryland, when you look at their core, you look at Jameer Young. I mean, he looks like, I mean, I was joking around the other day, and I was saying, it feels like dudes are just wasting Jameer Young's senior season. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. I mean, he's um, having an All-American type season, but they're just not going to win enough games for him to be considered. So I think uh, when you got Julian Reese, when you got Dante Scott, that gives you the core. But I don't think they're, um, one, I don't think they're consistent enough, those two guys, but then I don't think they're freshmen gave them what they expected. I think um, their lack of shooting really hurt them and it really showed. And uh, when you expect your freshmen to kind of come in and score from the perimeter and be shooters, uh, I haven't, I've never coached college basketball, but I've been around a lot of freshmen. That's tough for them, unless they're top five, top ten. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wisconsin, Rafael, has lost four in a row. What's going on with the Badgers? Why? Why? I mean, they were, they were a top-five team in the country. What's happened? Uh, they just been turning the ball over. You can't turn the ball over in the Big Ten and expect to win. It's a possessions game. And then I think um, I think Coach has kind of tightened the restraints offensively for guys. I think A.J. Store. I think I think AJ Stewart's got to have more. He's got to have more variety in the offense. I think he's got to have some set plays called for him. I think um, he's not your typical. And coach would know more than me because he's there every day. But I don't feel like AJ Stewart's the typical swing guy. I mean, it works for him. He can figure it out. But earlier in the year, it felt like they were having some ball screen action to him. He was getting the shots. He was playing a little more one on one. I think um, when you start to lose, things start to get tight, and then they start to turn it over. Um, guys have kind of guarded them differently since Purdue. Uh, Purdue guarded Stephen Crow with the with the guard basically. You put Mason Gillis, Trey Kaufman, Randall, Stephen Crow, and you put Zach Eady on Tyler Wall. And that's uh, teams have done that since. And I don't know if that mm-hmm. knocked them out, but Tyler, Crow, I mean Stephen Crow hasn't really been effective because he doesn't get those pick and pop threes. He doesn't get those shots that he would normally get with the five-man guarding him because now it's a guard, and now you're switching it. And it's, um, I don't think they've um, maybe figured that part out yet, but I think I think they'll be fine. I think this is a stretch where they just have to go through it. I think it hurts their seeding NCAA-wise, but I think that there are tournament teams, no doubt. I think Wisconsin gets the right matchups in the tournament, and they're clicking. They could be anybody in the country. Again, Rayfield Davis, obviously Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, former captain for the Boilermakers, and you see him on Big Ten Network. He is with us here the Payless Sickers Hotline. Last one for me, Rayfell. Do you feel differently about Purdue this year in terms of what they can do in March than maybe you have in years past? Uh, yeah, they have a better de- – this is the best defense in the last three years. This is their um, – First time having a defensive stopper in the last three years. This is their um, first time in a half-court setting having multiple guys that can go get their own bucket off the bounce. So I think um, they're playing with two point guards in the backcourt, essentially. So you don't really necessarily worry about the press. I know Rutgers press gave them trouble, but Rutgers is the best, one of the best, the number two defense in the country. Their press is going to give everybody trouble. So that argument where the old Rutgers gave him trouble with the press is silly because Rutgers is going to give everybody trouble with the press. So I think um, I think they're like, I think Lance Jones as a dimension to this team that they just had a had it last year. He's a guy that he can make a shot, he can drive the ball, he can get his own basket, but then he can guard your best player on the other end. And I think it allows Fletcher Lawyer to just be a shooter, a guy that comes off of screens and makes shots, that defends the third best guy on the floor. You're kind of hiding sometimes. And then Braden Smith, his confidence and his um, evolution has been um, has been outstanding. His um, his poise, his belief in himself, getting to that right hand pull up jumper. And then you have the best player in the country. So I think they have a um, and Zach Eady. So I think you have a lot of things working for you with your Purdue. And I think they're um, with it's been their defense. Their defense has um, I think a couple years ago they were 90th in defense efficiency in Ken Palm. I think last year they may have been like. Um, 23rd maybe 
And I think this year they're top 15, top to maybe 13. So I think um, they're in better defensively still. So I think their defense has been the biggest change. What criticism is warranted with Indiana right now, and what's going on with Mike Woodson and IU? Um, I wouldn't put any criticism. I think, I mean, guys that are asking for Mike Woodson to be fired, I mean, they sound just ridiculous to me. I think it, um, I mean, it just makes no sense. I mean, they go to the tournament two years in a row. I mean, they win a tournament game. He got two, two NBA players. I mean, you got a first round, one and done. I mean, you got McKenzie and Baco probably one and done next year. You got another five star coming in, and like Liam McNeely next year, who's really, really good at basketball. I watched him play a bunch, caught a few of his games. McNeely is a guard that will help this team next year. He's really good. But I think um, when you look at what they were, I don't think they went to a tournament for four years before Woody. So I think um, this is just one of those years where. You just have to go through it. I think when Paint, Paint, 10 years ago, Paint was last place in the Big Ten. A year before that, he was playing in the CBI. And now we fast forward 10, 11 years later, he's one of the best coaches in the country. I think you know, sometimes we get stuck in the moment. We can't see the bigger picture. I think uh, if you get McNeely to come in next year, I think they're going to have to go out and get another guard in the portal. I think Woody's a great recruiter, obviously. Um, Derek Queen is still in the wind as far as his commitment, his recruitment. If they can get Derek Queen to come in next season, I mean, they're figuring it out. I think this year it's the guys on the floor not taking pride on the defensive end. And this, that can't be Woody because we've seen it in the last two years. They've had a really good defense. But those guys play hard. Trace Jackson Davis, Ray Thompson, they played hard every single possession. They weren't cool about it. This year's team is just too cool. That comes with their leadership at the, in the locker room. Their leadership is too cool. Their leadership, they don't have leadership in the locker room. And then you don't win games when you don't have leadership. And that will have, that's what happened to Coach Painter at Purdue. That's what happens at Michigan right now with Coach Howard. It's the guys in the locker room who have to lead the charge sometimes to win. You hear a coach go to a press conference and he says, I don't have to play my walk-ons. They care. I know what that looks like because I can remember Coach Painter playing walk-ons in front of me and in front of other guys because they play harder than us. So I think um, it's not making sense to me the kind of criticism on Woodson. I know the basketball style is when it talks about it's not this 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 generation of basketball, but you go back to last season when he had a guard that could do it. Jay Wilson-Shafino and Matthew Arena got you 35 points off of ball screens, which is today's basketball. So I think um, you've got to have the guys to do it and they don't have a lot of guys, their best option right now is to go inside. And when they get more perimeter guys, I think Woody's a guy that um, he will he adjust to what he has. And even if McKenzie and Baco stays next year, you get McKenzie and Baco as a sophomore and Liam McNeely, and then you get a, a fifth-year or, or a transfer guard in there somewhere, I think uh, you cook it with gas. So I think um, it's just one of those years you got to go through. And uh, sometimes you got to struggle. But I think, um, I think Coach is fine. And I think the guys just got to play hard. They got to have some pride. I think at this point in the year where they're at, it's pride. It's pride defensively. And it can be fake toughness. It can be punching somebody in the face. It can be getting flagrant. They got to actually play real basketball and play harder. Ray Phil, great stuff, man. Always enjoy our conversations. And uh, hopefully we can have you on here before uh, the tournament gets rolling in less than a month. Oh, no, I appreciate you guys. And I'm um, having a free basketball camp in Indianapolis during spring break, also in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so if you're um, looking for information for basketball camp for you, for um, you can't afford basketball camp, you want to go to a nice basketball camp, uh, be a part of an organization, you go to RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. Uh, we're also going to be in West Lafayette. That's our camp going right now. 
So if you uh, want more information or want to sponsor our camps or want to sponsor our nonprofit foundation or be a part, uh, RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay. This afternoon on Query and Company. Nonetheless, Kansas City wins the game. Joining us now to talk about that and more is Mike Chappell, WXIN and CBS4, of course, longtime writer for the Indianapolis Colts. Chap, uh, I guess the question is this. Patrick Mahomes to me last night, and there aren't a lot of guys that you can say this about, but tell me if you agree with this. He dictated the way San Francisco ended up playing, especially in the fourth quarter, where when you have an elite-level talent like that, you start to kind of become dishonest with yourself in terms of the way you go about things because of the fear factor of knowing that Mahomes at any time can pull that rabbit out of the hat. And I thought that San Francisco kind of got away from what they needed to do. And then other teams, you look at it and you go, can we get that out of our quarterback in time? The Colts would want that eventually for Anthony Richardson. But do you agree with the fact that that's kind of Mahomes' edge aside from the X's and O's and the execution of it? Well, that's that's what all the those mobile quarterbacks do. Lamar Jackson, who had an awful game when they got beat, but when the play breaks down, that guy can, or or the play is extended, not necessarily breaks down, but when, when the defense when the defense has the right scheme and has has you beaten, that guy still beats you, and that, that's the one thing that Chris Ballard told us uh, in January. He said when you have he was talking Richardson, but when you have that guy people play you differently. It, it's got to be so frustrating for a coordinator to have the right defense dialed up and then the quarterback escapes to the right, extends a play, either finds a guy or picks up the three yards or what was it? He picked up eight yards on fourth and one, whatever. That's where it really makes it hard. You know, Peyton Manning would never do that, would seldom do that because that wasn't who he was. He didn't have that skill set. There's five or six guys in the league that you have the right thing. You've got everything done correctly. Nobody botched on the sign, but nobody got out of their gap. And he still beats you, and you think, man. You know, and there's so many – there's so few of those guys. It, it, it's funny how you look and, and, and people want that quarterback, and there just aren't – you know, there's like five guys, six guys maybe that are that guy, and if you don't have it, you want that guy, and it's it's just not – like when the Colts were going through this quarterback carousel, you you want that guy. You want Joe Burrow. You want Josh Allen. Well, that, you just, it just has to – it has to be 1998 and things fall into place and you get Peyton Manning. Or the same thing with Andrew Luck. And if, 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 the, if the golf gods aren't winking at you, it's a tough sledding. But Mahomes, you know, I – 
not to, I, I, Robin Miller got me out of betting because he just did. God bless him. Uh, but <laughs> how how you ever bet against Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. I really don't. The Chiefs were were really a flawed team. Defense is pretty good, but they they just didn't have. That wasn't one of their better offensive teams at all. But Mahomes, the, the, the definition of greatness is that player lifts players around him and makes them better. Manning did that with so many players, and Mahomes does that with guys that, like like Hardman. I mean, what he started the season with the Jets after the Chiefs let him go. I mean, you make you make other just marginal guys Super Bowl heroes, and that's what the great players do. Well, and I mean, chap, to that point. You know, it's kind of like New England. You know, for New England, so many years that you thought to yourself, well, this is it for New England. They've hit their ceiling. And then you're like, man, they just keep plugging guys in. Well, no, they have the engine that allows you to put in, you know, spare parts all over the place. And I think we saw the Colts, once Manning went down, we saw like, holy cow, there were a lot of things he was masking here, right? Right. One of the players for Kansas City that does – seemingly stand on his own would be Travis Kelsey so the question is with Indianapolis they have clearly been trying to rotate through in a tight end room that has been crowded to find out if they can get a yard after catch tight end in the group do the Colts have that on roster right now probably not you see things you know Will Mallory showed you some nice things in 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 glimpses Jelani Woods, I mean, you thought so last year, and this year he misses the season with hamstrings. Drew Ogletree, you know, we probably will never see him play here again. Uh, and Kylan Granson, you sort of like him, but but then he kind of disappears. No, they haven't. And Molly Cox, God love him, he's maximized everything going from power forward to football, but I think we've seen the best of him. So, no, I, I've seen some mock drafts where they get the, the tight end from from uh, Georgia if he's there at 15, and there's probably a good chance he won't be there. And, gosh, you just don't take tight ends in the top 10. You just don't. Rare. It's kind of like, like taking a guard in the top, you know, six. It's just not done very often. But with, with I'm going to write about it later in the week. That's when Chris Ballard says, and even Shane Sykin, we need to get more explosive. You know, I don't know that guy's on the roster. I, I just you'd like to think that Michael Pittman's game has more of that, and it probably does with Richardson. But it's going to require that tight end who can get down the seam. And God, look at all these the the the, the finalists, the final four in the, in, in the NFL. And they all had that quality tight end. I mean, I realized Mark Andrews was coming back from, from injury and all that, but Kittle and Kelsey and all these guys, boy, that, that's what you wanted. You know, all those guys, none of those guys were taken that high. So you got to identify them and, and make that part of your offense. And maybe that that's probably the part that's missing on this roster is, you know, we hearken back to the Dallas Clark days and the things that he did at his size, I mean, he was barely a tight end. And, and, and most of the time they they kept with his strength and they didn't ask him to block defensive ends because that's not what he did. But in the passing game, he was such a, a force. And that's probably what's missing on this offense, one of the main things that's missing on this offense. Dean Mike Chappell of Foxy 9 and CBS 4 is our guest. Chap, during the 
Brady-Manning eras, I always thought Peyton was the better quarterback. I always thought that if you put Peyton in New England with that defense, that they would have been as successful as they were. And I know that's this is classic sports talk conversation, but then Brady has the longevity and does things older than any other player ever did and still did it at a high level, and it becomes a complicated conversation. Patrick Mahomes is 28 years old, three Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs. He's now third all-time in playoff wins behind Montana and Brady. I'm not trying to make a full GOAT conversation here for him. I want to let his career play out. But when you look at him, it's Brady, Montana, and him right now in my eyes. Do you see it that way? Yeah, it's like the Tiger Woods thing. Like he did so early in his career, just piling them up. And, yeah, let's let it play out. But if Mahomes doesn't play another game, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Which, to say that about a guy who's 28 years old, and has such a short career. That's that's very very. That, that's Gail Sayers, like uh, as far as discussion of, of the mark he's made. So, and, and there's no reason to believe that that thing should fall off. Uh, the, the only thing that's gonna, that would probably keep it from just really getting crazy in numbers is the bounce of the ball. Is that he, that he doesn't convert fourth and one on, on that keeper or. or you know, another play here or there uh, along the way to, to where the football guy says, now, remember the scene of uh, Peyton sitting on the, uh, on the bench in the AFC Championship game when Brady got the ball back yeah. and he's sort of praying. And he, I think he said finally, he's, uh, you don't know, seldom pray for things, but he's saying, you know, hey, God, you've given Tom quite, or Tom's <laughs> had quite a few. Maybe this one time, let us win one. So, he, but, but barring that, that screwy stuff, why won't he be back? Not every year for Christ. surely not every year. I mean, the, the league's is, not built for that, right? With the parity in well, it, it's it, not. And, and that's the other thing: the league is not. It, it really wasn't built for the Patriots to do this because of the salary cap. And it's, but but when you when you we've, we've said this ad nauseum, when you got that guy, everything's possible. You know, Peyton would have had more, would have, would have, would have, and people hate to hate to. Peyton would have done more here had the timing not been the same and, and the Patriots were, were, were in the way out, or San Diego. They had trouble with San Diego in the playoffs a couple of times. But, but I, I just, it's, it's, you're not supposed to do this because of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and how hard it is to get there. Yes, to win it. Yes, to win it. But to get there, is so hard. I mean, how, go back to midseason, and people had really written off the Chiefs. Remember, the, the receivers suck and they can't do this. And the same thing with Buffalo. And you find a way, and, and the great quarterbacks. I was sitting there in the first half, and I'm thinking, man, they're letting Mahomes hang around, and that's just yeah. not that's just not smart. Listen, it's just not. I, I sent a tweet at one point that said. Because this was just how it felt, and, you know, it wasn't an original thought. I think the entire, as I mentioned earlier, you know, a nine-year-old girl from Singapore that was watching for Taylor Swift could have figured this out, right? <laughs> and by that I mean, it felt like San Francisco was in complete dominant control for the first yes. like two and a half quarters of that game, and you looked at it and said, and yet they're keeping him within one score. That's that's suicide. You can't do that. You have to take advantage. And and Brock Purdy did not play poorly. I you know I thought he he was fine. It just was a really good defensive trenches game, and they could not take advantage of uh, of Mahomes 
not being corralled. And then, chap, once they scored quickly off the muffed punt, at that point it was like it was over because you made yeah. the mistake of, of giving him, letting him sniff it, right? Yeah, again, and that's what the great quarterbacks do. And that's what, you know, I don't think anyone would argue that Mahomes is the much better quarterback than Tom Brady. He just is. I mean, the things he can do and all this stuff. Now, again, the, the championships in, in the sustained Michael Jordan-esque brilliance, that's what really separated Brady. Give him a chance. And he, he would put his foot on your throat, and, and you'd be breathing your last because that's that's what the great ones, the really great ones, Larry Bird, those guys, Magic Johnson, those guys were just assassins. And, and whether you were playing football or, you know, dominoes or whatever, they're going to kick your ass. And that's what Mahomes does. And, again, that that was probably the worst collection of skill players he's had. It was, you know, they still it's not probably. Really chap, chap, it's not probably. I can, I can definitively right. tell you it's accurate. It, it's, yeah. They, they let the league in drops, chap. I, that's what I'm saying. In the first half, didn't Kelsey have one catch, yeah, one target, yeah, one yard? Yeah. I mean, yet they, that, that's what I'm saying. And I'm sure the Niners, deep down, Shanahan and the staff thought, man, what was it? Was it 10-3 to 3 at the half, I think it yep, was? Yep. They're thinking, man, we ought to be up 17-3. Uh, it, it's, I, I think in all the playoff games this year, and I think all three of the Super Bowl wins, they came back from yeah. They were down at ten at least. Deficit. Yep. yep. That, that's just, that's that's obscene. <laughs> but th- but that that's what those quarterbacks do. Peyton being down twenty eight to three, you know, back in 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 the 06 playoffs to, to Brady. You're thinking, remember the theme that year was it's our time and uh, maybe not. But that's what those quarterbacks do. They give you that chance. Andrew Luck did the same thing. Remember it was thirty eight to ten against the Chiefs yep. in the playoffs. Yep. And he he gives you a chance. Now you, you, know, you got to do things along the way. You you know the Colts had to help the Vikings overcome thirty three zero. But when that quarterback, when you don't put him away, and I, I would think thirty eight ten is putting a guy away. But but I, I just I just always had the feeling that the, the Niners were, were were so dominant and the Chiefs were just just clinging and clinging. And then when you don't put them away, they say, okay, here we come. And and I don't think anyone had any doubts, really, how that game was going to end. Chap, we talked a lot in the early goings about where the Colts are, how close they are. And you're right, you need the magical quarterback. If you don't have the magical quarterback, you have to have a perfect defense. And even then, sometimes that's not enough, as we saw a couple of times in this postseason, Baltimore most notably, who felt like they had both. When you look at the Colts, from Anthony Richardson, just him, and where the Colts' defense is, both of which you need more growth from, which is closer to being where Buffalo, where San Francisco, where Kansas City was, of kind of having the best of both worlds on both sides of the ball? Which side of the Colts? Yeah, which, which, which side are they closer on? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I, I want to say offensively, but that so much depends on – not so much. Everything depends on Richardson, and we're really basing – all the optimism on four games, which is really – he's played now, what, uh, is it 19 games? Was it 15 in college? Uh, and four – really, and I went. I looked at the math, he played three games. When you look at his snaps, he played three games. That is just for, – for, for me to sit here and say, yeah, I really, I really feel like this offense is going to take off because they got the quarterback. Uh, it, it's sort of blind face, and it's sort of all they've been through – this guy has got to be 
the guy. Because if he's not, you're looking at darkness for another 10 years, eh, six or seven years. And it'll be hard for this franchise to, to deal with that. But everything we saw, uh, th- this guy does a lot of what the better quarterbacks do, buying time and getting outside. He had four touchdown runs and, and again, the four starts. And the things he and and Jonathan Taylor can do, and Michael Pittman, and and get another receiver in here uh, who can who can be a number two guy, and then you know yes, you need the defense. I mean the the two thousands, you know, with, with like with, with all that Manning and Harrison and Edgern and all these guys Reggie did, boy, the defense really slammed the door. Uh, I thought the defense is the reason. They won the Super Bowl in 06, you know, with the Bob Sanders and, you know, let's not forget Rob Morris played really well during that run. And that's why the defense, I think, needs to be better, and it will get better. The defensive line looked pretty good. The linebackers looked pretty good. Secondary scares me. It needs it needs help at corner. It needs help at safety. But that's what the offseason's for. They've got, they've got, they've got the, the, the flexibility to do something. You know, even re-signing Pittman. Or even retaining Pittman with a franchise tag or a long-term deal, you still have you still have the flexibility without doing anything crazy, you know, restructuring or cutting players. You still have the the, the wherewithal to re-sign Kenny Moore, to re-sign Grover Stewart, to go out and get to still go out and get a receiver, a free agent receiver in the twelve, fifteen million dollar range. If 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 you really want to be bold, which I don't know if they would be that bold, so. Yeah, it's still got to be offensive-driven because of the quarterback. I I, I wish I had more evidence to to reinforce my faith that he's the right guy, but he has to be the right guy. Mike Chappell is our guest, of course, talking about the Colts and the Super Bowl from last night. Obviously, those two are separate things. Uh, Chapp, I know you talked with Kevin and Andy about this. For our listeners, I wanted to – expand upon it you know I thought it was really cool as I've mentioned a couple of times last night and I know it was a local not a national spot but it was pretty cool to sit there during the Super Bowl I don't know if you caught it chap but an ad comes on for Indiana Donor Network whose ads you hear on this radio station with Dwight Freeney and I thought holy cow you want to talk about and my understanding is I can tell you that the Donor Network Nicole, who oversees their marketing, a year ago just thought, who can I get that would be a really good spokesperson for us? And she just kind of out of a, a hat pulled out Dwight Freeney and thought, I'm going to give this a shot. And man, did that pay off because here you are during the Super Bowl and he during the week that he finds out he's a Hall of Famer. So when terms of the Hall of Fame vote for Freeney, I'm not going to say were you surprised because you're a voter, but can you kind of take us through what the last year from last year's vote to this year's vote, I guess what changed? It's a good question because because last year again it's you have the fifteen and then we cut it down to ten and then it's cut to five and it really matters that you go from ten to five. It just shows you the the, the depth of your support. Last year, Freeney didn't go from ten to five. He he was eliminated. Jared Allen did. So I kind of thought, well, you know, here we are because and Jared Allen has the more sacks and all this and at that position you kind of go by numbers. But the more I looked into it and, and, and talked to people, the and I mentioned, I've mentioned this before, but we all have our, our thoughts of Dwight Freeney and how dominant and great of a player he was here in Indy. 
But I'm telling you, nationally, the perception of Dwight Freeney is more. It just is. Uh, had a chance to talk to Joe Thomas, the you know Cleveland left tackle, and he said, "Best pass rusher I've, I played against in my 11 years. Best." And he played against most of these guys. He said, "Yeah." He said, "Julius Pepper, he could get a sack on you if you got sloppy." Well, that's that's hardly a compliment. <laughs> so he just said with Freeney with the spin move. He said he revolutionized the position. So nationally, uh, the perception of, of Freeney was just over the top. And I saw a tweet to where Jared Allen wasn't the least bit happy that he got jumped by Freeney. You know, well, deal with it. You know, Reggie's dealing with that now for five years. Um, so, yeah, I, I was really pleased with Freeney. I talked to Dwight a few days before that. Because, again, I'd known about it. As You know, we've talked and you've asked me and I've lied to you or not told you whatever. But I've known for like a month. And I talked to Dwight about 10 days ago, and he was just over the top, please. And he thought he should have been the first ballot guy last year, which tells you these guys think about themselves. You know, but that we put in DeMarcus Ware last year ahead of Freeney. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. And it's the one thing on Freeney with that donor network, they, they ran that, that's those spots during the season. That, that's not, that wasn't a new thing. That's something they've shown, which. Right. It's been all year. I, yeah. I always thought, I always thought that was a, not strange, but he's not really a local guy. You know, he, he's from Connecticut, and he lives in West Palm Beach. And but but such a such a great ambassador. Hey, he's done a great job with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he he did everything they asked, and he's done a really good job of promoting that for them, right? And, and that's what you want. That's when you've got the platform. Some guys, not a lot of guys, use that. Zaire Franklin. I mean, what what he's done. Kenny Moore, what these guys have done, and, and hopefully Anthony Richardson. But when you've got that platform, Frank Reich did a great job. When you've got that platform, and still does, with, with his with his foundation. That was it. Was it not not now or not? Uh, I'll mess it up. The the one on uh, on protecting you know young kids. That's what you want. And for Freeney to do this is really cool. And he's a great guy. And what's funny. The, 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 what, talking to him, and I did. You know, I've been away from Dwight for a little bit, but he said, "Yeah." He said, "I was. Uh, we had this at. We had this event at. Uh, I play golf every day with Michael, and we had it at Michael's Michael's uh, uh, golf club." And I said, "Michael." He said, "Yeah, Michael Jordan." I said, "You mean you mean Michael Jordan? You know, like right, like right. like it's not 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 Michael Jordan, my mailman, but Michael Jordan, you know, the NBA guy." And he said, "Yeah." And normally, if you're playing golf and you say we're going to play at at Jake's course, well, it's, that's where you normally play. Well, no, this, this was Michael Jordan's golf course. He owns a darn thing. So it, it was kind of funny. I, I thought it was a cool thing that he's best friends with Michael Jordan. Can you imagine the competitive nature of their golf rounds? I mean, that's got to be off the charts. And not only but, that, uh, but you know, a guy that he probably grew up. You know, he would have been vintage age to grow up. Right. It. You know. 11-year-old Dwight Freeney is worshiping right. Jordan as a player, right? We're in, and we're then, in, 20, we're in a 23 jersey. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's the name of the course. It's Golf Course 23. If, but, yeah, it is really cool. And I'm looking forward to getting together with Dwight in Canton and before Canton and all that. So, it'll be a great time in August uh, with Dwight Freeney and the Colts because the Colts always do it up nice when they've got a guy in the Hall of Fame. So, what is the next step then for Reggie Wayne, chap, for for myself, who's ignorant to it, and for our listeners? You know, like in baseball, you get so many years, and then you go into, like, the Veterans Committee, and they – So, for Reggie Wayne, in terms of the ballot, the process is what, and that goes for how long if he 
is continually denied. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Uh, you're you're eligible for for 20 years, uh, and then you go into the senior pool, which is which is really where you don't want to go because there's a ton of great players, great players in that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do it again next year. And I was PO'd, not that Andre Johnson got in. Well, yeah, I was because he got in because their 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 resumes are similar. Reggie's is better. It's just better. Uh, and normally we take the guys who've waited longer when we've got guys who are apples and apples that are really close together. Reggie's been waiting five years. Andre was third year. Tory Holt's been waiting ten years. And I think I think Reggie's a better can a much better candidate than Tory Holt. But that's you know. So hopefully next year it's just a, and he'll be a finalist again next year. And what's going to be I, I I'm dreading facing Reggie because I feel like I've let him down. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that's not the case. But every year is different. And next year we're going to have – there's 10 guys that didn't get in, probably six of them come back into the room. Some of them won't. And then you've got Adam Vinatieri, who I think, in my mind, is you say Adam Vinatieri and you sit down. He's, he, he, he's, he, he's a Peyton Manning uh, type of guy. That, that Of course he's a Hall of Famer first ballot. Eli Manning. It's his first year. I think that's going to be a long, long debate. I mean, he's got a really strange career. He does. And then you got Reggie. You got Jared Allen. So hopefully next year. And I think I think in, in in the room in our room, we decided that we've got to get somebody in. So they got in Andre Johnson, which again I'm PO'd over, but I'm one of 50 votes. And then it's got to be another receiver because in a few years, Larry Fitzgerald comes up. You know, and, and he's going to be an interesting, you know, debate first ballot or not because of the, his, his length of his career and his numbers. So, Re- Reggie doesn't want to hear this. Reggie will be in the Hall of Fame. He will. That's I'm 99.9 percent convinced of it. Edger had to wait six years, which he wasn't happy about that until he got in. Then he said it. The waiting didn't matter, but trust me, it mattered while he was waiting. Reggie's tired of it. I understand he should be. He'll get in hopefully next year. Uh, you just keep fighting the fight. And I, I think somebody mentioned that, and I sort of agree, which is unfair. I think there's a Colts fatigue setting in. Hey, these guys won one Super Bowl, and you're putting all these guys in. Well, no, they, they were that great of players. They all were. So, so we'll see. But I, I, I'm convinced Reggie gets in. He's just got to wait a little longer. And for those that were confused by Chap's comment about Reggie Wayne and you feel like you let him down, that's because it is the responsibility of each writer that covered a player to objectively give the platform for and sell the case for the player in which the other voters vote off of that. And that is usually a rundown of statistics and impact within the game and the franchise. Chap, we appreciate the time as always. What's that? Yeah, that, yeah, you got it right. And then, then we have debate, and then we vote, and then we got people pissed off like me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go out and you play 23 rounds of golf together at, at the 23 Club, right? There you go. There you go. Chap, appreciate it. With you guys. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay. Previously on The Ride with JMV. Time on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Pacers on the road in Charlotte later on tonight, taking on the Horn at 7 o'clock. That tip, 6.30, your coverage begins right here on the fan. And uh, the general manager of the Pacers with us now, it is Chad Buchanan on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Chad, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, JMV? So we are staked out today, are we? Calling from Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Stuck in my hotel room. Just got back from shoot-around and getting ready to play the Hornets tonight. Yeah. Well, I will say this. I kind of wondered, and you can help me through this, um, I made the observation that this team looked in a haze on Thursday night against Golden State. and You can probably connect that to the fact that uh, 42 was laid on them by Steph Curry. That'll get you in a haze in a big hurry. But did you see anything to do with maybe uh, a bit of a reaction to earlier that day, the, the trading of Buddy Heald and all was there any connection to be made it's a fair question to ask you know it was a a night where we got stalked in the face pretty quickly by Steph as you mentioned in the first quarter and you know losing a teammate you know in Buddy and a guy who's got you know a lot of spirit and a lot of personality that that takes away a little bit of your you know the fiber of your your personality of your group and I think that had our guys a little maybe shocked you know losing a teammate is always an adjustment and um, you know we're also at the point of the season where the the all-star breaks around the corner, and I think guys are, you know, looking forward to a little bit of a break too. So it was a combination of, of of that, and you know, like I said, you're playing a good team. It's a hot team, and we we just looked a little flat that night. So Chad Buchanan with us. I want you to get into to some of the like, semantics, I guess, and, and certainly what you're looking at because you had mentioned last week in your press conference after that game that there was a lot in that trade with the long-term vision of this team and this organization. But how much of it did play a role was it kind of a both sides thing was it both sides including buddy's side that felt maybe as an end result this ultimately needed to be done well i'd I'd say i'd keep you know my conversations with buddy and his agent you know i'd respect to them you know private but you know i think as our job as a front office you're trying to maximize the now as much as possible without sacrificing the long term but also putting yourself in position uh, to retain as much as you can of the team that we really like. I mean, we like this group. Um, they've been, you know, performed well this year. Our coaches have done a fantastic job with this group. Our young guys are developing, and there's a lot to be excited about with this team, and we're trying to plan ahead, um, you know, and trying to keep as many of these guys as we can, but also we're also working on the limitations of, you know, the salary cap, and so we got to factor that in, and there's sometimes you got to make a really tough decision that maybe – Short term, maybe doesn't help your team a ton, but it's trying to put yourself in position to be good and build, you know, the steps that it takes to be a championship team in the coming years. So uh, it was a tough decision, um, but it's also something part of our process. There's going to be more along the way that you got to make, and um, we got to identify who are the pieces that we want to keep moving forward. Was it um, at all difficult to make that deal considering it's Philadelphia? in the East, 
near you as far as you know the the playoff picture of the standings concerned was there any role play as as far as that being a concern of of you and Kevin and the organization I think when you make trades you know that is a small factor but you ultimately got to do what's best for your organization long term and take the the deal that is best for your team rather than settling for, you know, another option that's not as appealing or not as helpful for you long-term. And, I mean, ideally, you're not sending them to a competitor, but in this case, you know, that was the, the best option for us that was presented, and um, we chose to do that, and we wish him the best. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. He's a great shooter. Um, loved having him here for the, the time that he was with us, and we wish him nothing but the best uh, in Philly. So Chad Buchanan, who is the uh, general manager of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Pacers and the Hornets coming up later on tonight. That's a 7 o'clock tip from Charlotte this evening. You can hear it right here on the fan. Some of the impact, and, and obviously shooters go through slumps. It just happens. But just beyond that, the impact that Buddy brought to this team that you're hoping that somebody else can inspire a similar impact moving forward this season. Sure. I mean, shooting is such a big part of today's NBA game. I know, um, you know, Buddy was one of the best to ever do that. And those guys go through ups and downs. You know, it's ultimately, I'm sure, John, you on your Sunday mornings, you have days where you're lighting it up and days where you just, just don't have it. You know, the, the yes. NBA guys are no different. Um, but losing that component is a, it's been a big part of how we play offensively. Tyrese's, you know, creativity generates a lot of opportunities for everybody, you know, Buddy included, but he's also helped elevate the play of Miles. He's elevated the play of Aaron. Um, Obi's obviously had a career year with us. Jalen Smith, we've got all these young players that are performing at uh, their career best playing with the way we play. And, you know, Buddy's spacing, the threat of Buddy's shooting was part of that, but um, we also feel like we have some other young players that are developing and growing that are going to have an opportunity now to you know take the next step as well. And um, we'll miss that component of the threat of Buddy. You know, always teams having to know where he's at and chase him around. He's always moving. And uh, but we also feel like Doug um, does a little bit of that. Obviously, at a different level and different style, but. Doug's threat of shooting is going to be something that we're, will be valuable off our bench, too, and that's why we're we're glad to have him back in the fold. He uh, got one look in seven minutes the other night, and that one you guys had at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I'm assuming that there'll be an uptick in, in clock time here relatively soon. Was that just trying to, trying to uh, get to know once again player with the organization in the short term? Yeah, and I think that's, you know, our coaches, obviously it's his first game with us. He doesn't know any of the plays, you know, any of the calls, <laughs> things like that. And so you're just trying to get him, get his feet wet a little bit. But, you know, obviously that's up to our coaches, how they want to utilize him and how much, you know, you play him. But um, we brought him here to be an element to replace some of the shooting that we lost with the trade. And he's familiar with, you know, several of our teammates. But, you know, he's this first time he's played with a lot of these guys. You know, he and TJ are very close friends. So there's that familiarity. And he played with Miles before. But... A lot of these other guys that are here now weren't here before, so this is going to be a little bit of a acclimation process for Doug. But I anticipate he's a pro and been around, and he'll get you know situated and comfortable quickly, and um, have some good nights shooting the ball for us. He's Chad Buchanan with us. I know you got into this a little bit in that post game presser back on Thursday, but maybe uh, in a little more detail, at least as far as you can go. Um, the other side of this, the vision of this trade was for the future, for the fans, Pacer fans, listen out there give them some aspects of which you got 
guys are focused in on and how that trade will impact that future because it's tough in the moment you just feel like you're losing something and you live in the moment but you know what you guys are trying to do with that focus and that vision moving forward sure i mean obviously tyrese is going to be the face of this franchise moving forward um and adding pascal you know, a month or so ago was a big, big move for us and a big addition. And, you know, we're optimistic and hopeful that he's, a, you know, with us moving forward. And those two guys are, you know, two really good pieces to build, you know, around long term. We have other guys that have contract situations that are going to be, you know, have to make decisions on. And, you know, we got to try to plan within, you know, the rules of the CBA and the salary cap, and that requires some decisions short term that maybe you know are a little bit painful. But in the long term, you got to plan accordingly. And sometimes, you know, some of the things we acquired, you know, on trade deadline with some of our you know picks may seem like nothing major, but those types of currency help make deals happen. Um, whether it's using the pick to draft a player, or if it's using those picks to acquire another player. Those are really valuable tools for us and adding to this core that we're trying to build. And we're nowhere near where we want to be. I mean, we're we're competing for a playoff spot, which is a great step for us this year. And I, I can't emphasize enough, like, what Coach Carlisle and our staff have done with this group. I mean, this is a very young team at its core. And to put ourselves in position where we're at, you know, today, going into, into the All-Star break with, you know, we're six games above 500. Um, it's really a fantastic, you know, job that our coaches have done. And a lot of our young players you see developing and blossoming are going to be big parts of our future. But we also know there's more to be added to this team to get to a championship level. And um, it just takes steps. And sometimes, you know, those steps require small moves that maybe are a little painful in the moment. But you're hopeful in the long run that they help add and help you give the ability to add a player that's a big piece moving forward. Chad, are you surprised this team is in the position right now at this point in the season as we get close to the all-star break that it resides in currently? I think the goal going into this year was to see progress from last year, and that's definitely taken place. To say that I expected us to be where we're at, um, I think we're probably a little further along than I think most of us anticipated. You know, Tyrese has been <laughs> phenomenal this year. We've had other guys, like I mentioned, have taken big steps forward. Um, our coaches have put in place an offense that's one of the NBA's historically best offenses. So there's been growth that has been faster than, than we anticipated. Um, but I think, you know, we also, this is kind of the path we want to go on. We want to take steps uh, to get where we need to get to go. And this is probably a bigger step than we anticipated and uh, really happy for it, but also know that there's a lot of work left to be done. So Chad Buchanan, the general manager of the Pacers, again, Pacers on the road in Charlotte later on tonight. That tip times at 7. Pre-game coverage with Mark and Eddie and Pat Boylan begins at 6.30. Coming up later on tonight, um, where are you guys roster-wise right now? I think I forgot. Where are you? <laughs> we have four, we have 14 roster spots right now filled. Um, we have one open roster spot, which gives us the flexibility to do different things. We we may look at you know the buyout market. We may look at doing some 10 days. We may convert a guy. We've got different options with that roster spot, um, which is good good for us to to, to use moving into the spring. Um, both, all three of our two way spots are filled, and um, our, our Mad Ants team is performing extremely well. Tom Hanks 
president, Tom, Tom Hankins, and that staff have done a great job. And so um, we're looking at all options with that last roster spot. So how uh, – I like to use this word a lot because it makes me sound smart. Robust would you consider at this moment the buyout market being? Now that the dust has kind of settled a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to predict for sure. I think there's a couple of guys that are coming on the market now you see getting waived, but it's got to be the right player at the right position with the right skill level for us to go that route. In the past, we've done that a couple of times. We signed Trevor Booker. Um, Wesley Matthews have been two guys that we've gone with the buyout market route with, and we'll monitor to see who's out there, um, if there's a guy that makes sense or not. But it's tough to say for sure. You have you know rumors and you hear there's a possibility, but until it happens, you, you, you just don't know for sure. Um, sometimes the buyout market is littered with players at a position you don't have a need for, so it doesn't make sense to go that route. But we want to at least give ourselves that opportunity if the right players there to try to pounce on it. A lot of what has been a conversation, you don't have to get too direct into detail here, but if you want to, then please, by all means, do. But regarding being all NBA and the minimum amount of games it takes to get there, um, is it just – is it – for you guys, just all right, you just sit back and see how many games Tyrese plays in this case. What goes on in, in trying to deal with this other than just what we see a guy going out there and playing, playing enough minutes in a game and trying to reestablish that? What goes on behind the scenes? Yeah, I would say the number one goal is we want Tyrese to be all NBA. That's a, a an amazing accomplishment for an individual player to receive, and it's something that I think Tyrese deserves and the way he's played and hopefully the way he continues to play, he deserves to be, to have that award. And so that's what we want for him. It's good for him. It's good for our organization. And as long as it doesn't jeopardize his long-term health, um, we're going to do everything we can to get him, you know, qualified for, for that award. Um, but ultimately the core of it is we're a better team when he's on the court. And so the more he's on the court, the better chance we have to perform well and play well and win games. And so, you know, Tyrese wants to be out there every night, you know, even when he was a little beat up, you know, he, he doesn't like sitting, he doesn't like sitting over on the bench in street clothes. I know he likes the outfits he gets to wear over there some nights, but uh, he wants to be on the court playing. And so that's what we're trying to do is to get him out there as many nights as we can. And, you know, the game limit is something that factors into everybody's, you know, mind, but ultimately we want him out there every game and um, putting us in position to win as many games as we can. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, Chad, I asked you this, I think, prior to the trade deadline, and now Buddy traded. I'm, I'm curious, with expiring contracts that you have remaining on this team right now, is there any concern at all dealing with an expiring contract? Are you okay moving forward with it? Or are there always concerns for a team like the Pacers, an organization like the Pacers, making sure you get something out of a player that has an expiring deal like you still have in front of you right now? Ideally, you you never lose a player for nothing in an ideal world, but in reality, that happens more often than you know teams want it to happen. We're trying to balance you know, moving a bunch of players on expiring deals just to have something in hand without harming the team too much in the short term. 
Um, and we do have a couple guys on expiring deals that we really like and hope to, you know, hope that we're able to have a, be in position to retain those guys. There's no guarantee of that, but um, we do have several players in that, in that mix. But um, we also want to keep this team, you know, together as much as possible um, while also keeping an eye on the long term. It's uh, Chad Buchanan who is with us. What's the All-Star weekend being here in Indy? mean to you i know you're going to be around obviously your son has a high school senior night that is coming up as well but you're going to be around here and you know we see indy do what indy does best and it's hosts a big event it's the first time this event has been here since 1985 i mean hell i was 15 years old the last time this thing was around what's it mean for you and the organization to have this event here this weekend it's really hard to put into to words and what, what this means to, you know, the Pacers, the Mr. Simon, his family, the city. Um, you know, this is our chance to, to really showcase what Indiana and its love of basketball is all about. And Mel Raines and Rick Fusen and Todd Taylor, the you know, all of our business side staff have spent years and years of hard work and planning uh, to get this thing ready to go. And it's going to be such an awesome event for – for you know the Pacers and our city, to, uh, for the world to see you know what what Indiana is about, what hospitality is about, our love of the game is about, um, our facilities, and you know we get to showcase some of our own players, which is you know a huge bonus for us to have Tyrese be a starter in the All Star game when it's here in Indy. It's just hard to to fathom how much that means to to our organization, and um, I think the fans have a chance to you know come and see and interact with some of the events and. Um, you know, some of the, the games and things like that that are going to be a part of the weekend. And it's going to be basketball heaven for the week. You know, that's, that's hard for me to say it any other way because, you know, I love pro basketball. I love, you know, the game of basketball itself at its core. But to showcase what we're about as a city and a state to the world is just it's priceless. And I just can't wait for the world to see it. I can't either. And I can't wait to see what this LED floor looks like. For Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium, you, obviously you're on the road. You haven't seen it yet, right? I've seen pictures of it. It looks it looks pretty uh, pretty wild. So I'm curious to see it in person. How hard would it be here to uh, get this fella right here to put up a couple of shots on that thing before you guys go global this weekend? Is that difficult? Is that a, a Rick Fusion thing? Is that a uh, Mike Fox over at the stadium thing? What is that? Well, I, I heard there was like a surprise uh, player coming to All-Star Saturday night for yes. the dunk contest. I assume yeah. that was you. Yeah, it is. Is that not the case? If we're dunking on like a seven-and-a-half-foot goal, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. We can make that happen. We can make that happen. Oh, I'll, be your, I'll be your prop guy. I'll, Thanks. I'll, be, I'll assist you in the, your uh, your dunks. I'd break it half probably, but I would love to get, get up. Who wouldn't want to get up a couple of shots on a floor that unique like that? For sure, for sure. Let me look into that one for you. Yes, I know you're on the road. Yeah. You got a lot of stuff going on. Last thing you need is for me to pile other bullcrap on you right here. But that's exactly what I do with uh, Chad Buchanan, the general manager of the Pacers, moving forward. Us, I, I, I mentioned back in 1985. I remember it being here, and I was not, I was not up here for it. But that was ju- that was like it in terms of of the NBA. I mean, you had Bird and Magic and Dr. J. 
I think Jordan was participating in the dunk contest. He was a rookie. Former Pacer Terrence, Stanber- Terrence Stansberry got robbed of the dunk contest, by the way. That was just such a great year. And to know what Indy has transformed itself into since that point in time, it is truly amazing the work that has been done and the work that continues to be done around here. It really does. So true. That, that's my first memory was that dunk contest of, you know, MJ and the gold chain around his neck. I yep. think I have a poster, yep. that poster up in my room growing up. So to think back, gosh, that's the last time that Indianapolis has hosted the event. Pretty remarkable. And uh, how much it's changed, you know, over the years. It's 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 truly incredible, the, you know, what our city has become and the ability to host events like this. And um, it's just going to be a super, super fun week. I will say this, too. I, I think this, and they're never going to do it, but the way during COVID that this city and basically the region here, Central Indiana, hosted the, the NCAA tournament all-encompassing, I, I think that they are owed an opportunity to do that again. That was, and I know we were going through a bunch of stuff at the time and COVID and all that. But that was so incredible to have the entire NCAA tournament here. And that will, along with the event and and obviously the Super Bowl, be some of the highlights of just what this city and what this group in this city can do and the job that they can get done in execution. It was amazing. 100%. 100%. The people that help run the events in our city from the different organizations and corporations and just the people, the leadership and uh, the sports industry around our Indianapolis area. I mean, name me a better city that does a better job yeah. of hosting you know events like that. There are, there are none. I mean, you can have different warm weather spots. Maybe the weather's better, but you're not going to get the whole experience of hospitality, of the facilities, of the organization, of the people that you're going to get in Indianapolis. It's just it's second to none. Yeah, it is. Uh, Chad Buchanan with us. Final couple of things tonight in Charlotte. Your impression on what you saw at Madison Square Garden. They needed a bounce back on Saturday night, and really, they got a bounce back from a lot lot of people in the garden we did that is a tough place to win obviously they're a very good team this year i know they were down a couple of players but it's still you got to go in there and, and win and um, they've got some physical rugged tough players that you know have given us troubles in the past but you know we really from you know especially the second half i thought we really competed and, and stayed tied together and um, made some plays when we need to make plays, and that, that's that's a good win for us. You know, like I said, a lot of these teams right now around the league are are tired heading into the break, and some of these games are. Who wants to be there more? You know, it's yep. it's like the eight a.m. game on Sunday at your AU tournament. Like, it's not always <laughs> the team that's better that wins; it's the team that wants to be there the most. And um, that's what these last few games tend to be about in the NBA schedule: is who wants it more on that given night? Because some guys are ready; they're already checking their you know their itinerary for their flight to the beach uh, on Wednesday or Thursday. And some teams that are serious about winning are going to be about let's take care of business before we get on that plane to go relax for a few days. I just thought it was nice because. Because rarely have we seen the Pacers just kind of break away and and and, and win going away. They've been competitive, obviously, won a lot of games, but rarely have we seen that maybe a handful of times. It was nice to see that at the Garden on Saturday. It is. And, you know, teams, that when they're at home, they tend to make runs and, you know, make it tight when you pull away. And we were we managed to keep them at bay pretty much that entire second half, which was really encouraging. Having Ty, I mean, Ty looked really good on, on Saturday night, and that yeah. kind of makes everything flow for us, too. So you ever throw one off the backboard? 
to yourself and then assist a, a corner three like that? Do you ever do that? I, I can't say that I have tried that one before, but uh, my talent level was a lot less uh, below what Tyrese's is and my creativity level, too. I'd have been running stair laps for doing something like that back in the 80s. I can't even – we couldn't even jump pass back then. I mean, hell, now everybody jump passes. If I jumped and had nowhere to go, I'd be running stair laps for that, too. So, strange how things have changed. Hey, before I let you go to one more thing, there is no doubt you guys long-term absolutely want Pascal Siakam here, correct? That's part of that trade and part of what you're doing as far as your vision is concerned long-term here? I mean, when we made the trade for Pascal, we were hopeful that this was a long-term partnership. And so far, so good with with everything. I think he's happy. We're very happy with him. And, um, you know, that's kind of what our hope is moving forward. Uh, we I talked to Braden Smith um, last week. Of course, Mr. Basketball, Purdue sophomore, Westfield Shamrock, formerly, and he had a lot of good things to say about uh, your son up there. So I thought that was pretty cool. We had that conversation with him last week. Yeah, it's a great family, great family. He was a great mentor to my son, Trey. So I uh, really, really appreciate of him and always root for his success. I can't say too much about a draft prospect, but uh, he's a family friend, and I'm happy for him. I know. I, I should have named – well, I better not even go there. You name your son Trey, which is appropriate. I, I probably would have to name <laughs> Brick. I think Brick would have been a good one for maybe <laughs> me, right? So hopefully we can we can adjust that one of these days. But, hey, seriously speaking, let me know about the the, the uh, LED floor, and then whenever you're ready on a Sunday morning, I'll even come up and get you. You can come down and play your first pickup game in about three years with, uh, with us old guys down at Southport High School. All right? Let me know when you're ready. Can I have somebody cover the defensive end for me in the yes. pickup games? Yes, we both will. We both okay. will. Well, okay. we'll just both guard each other, and we'll just stand on the offensive end. <laughs> okay, I'm more of a half-court kind of pickup player anyways. I am hash mark to hash mark. That's about as far as I go right there. And when somebody posts me up, I get I get pissed and leave. So that's what happens. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, man. Um, safe travels back here. Hopefully we'll uh, track you down at some point this weekend as well. And uh, always enjoy the conversation, Chad. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Instant Replay because second helpings are always best when the main course is still fresh. Instant Replay on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.